0: Hello and welcome to the Baseball Wisconsin podcast. I am your host, Tim Gotzler. All right. So we made it to the second inning of game two. And today's guest is head baseball coach at Waukesha West High School, Chad Montez. Now, Coach Montez is a 2018 WBCA Hall of Fame inductee. Um, He was a former president of the association in his 20 plus years at West. He's amassed a record of 410 and 309. He's been named District Coach of the Year twice. He's led the Wolverines to seven conference championships, 10 sectional appearances, and eight trips to the state tournament. In this episode, Chad unpacks uh, the tradition and the core values and the vision of, of Wolverine baseball. Um, his time as a player and a coach growing up and coming back to the city of Waukesha, um, Some of the best teams that he's had. Um, I was on the backside of some of those losses as a player and a coach um, when I was at Catholic Memorial myself. And um, I think you're gonna get a lot out of this episode. Uh, Before we get started, just wanna remind you to subscribe and share. Um, You'll get notifications when new episodes are released. And uh, I really appreciate you sharing the show with other coaches. Without further ado, head baseball coach at Waukesha West High School, Chad Montez. Hey coach, how you doing today?
1: Good, Tim. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, it's an honor to, to be with you and uh, talking baseball, which you and I have talked a lot of baseball over the years, but uh, it's nice to kind of put it to uh, some substance here with the
0: podcast. Yeah, and I appreciate you coming on and, you know, I, I've known you for a long time. And, but, you know, for our listeners, why don't you tell us just about your background? Where are you from? You know, how'd you grow up in baseball and everything else? So where did it start for you?
1: Yeah, so I was uh, born and raised in Waukesha, Wisconsin. I went to Waukesha Public Schools. Um, I graduated from Waukesha South um, in 1988. And uh, at that time, there were only two high schools, uh, public high schools, South and North at that time, because uh, where I'm currently coaching at Waukesha West, um, that school didn't open till the fall of 93. Of so born and raised in Waukesha, grew up playing uh, baseball. Uh, youth baseball is not what it is today. You know, at that time we had park and rec baseball uh, where any kid could just sign up and play. And then on top of that, the only two kind of club kind of teams or travel teams at that point were the Waukesha Blazers and Wisconsin Centrifugal. Uh, Wisconsin Centrifugal eventually morphed uh, for those Waukesha people um, into RTE Chargers, Um, And then eventually Cooper Chargers. And then I think maybe that was kind of where things started to um, dabble in when the Firebirds came in and things like that. So um, that's where I'm from. And then I've been teaching in the Waukesha School District. Uh, I got hired uh, in the summer of 1994. And uh, I started off as a classroom teacher. Um, I taught for 18 years. And then now I'm in my ninth year um, as dean of students uh, at a middle school, and so I've been in been in the district 27 years, and uh, that's that's kind of my professional side as far as baseball side. After uh, playing high school baseball at Waukesha South, um, I was blessed enough to to play at UW Whitewater. Uh, So I was a freshman in the fall of '88, and Got to be a part of the 1989 uh, World Series team. Uh, At that point, I mean, you're seeing a little bit more of this college level in some parts of the country. But at that time, when I was playing, there was a JV um, college team as well as kind of what the the varsity, as we know, is like the active roster uh, in this day and age. And uh, I played JV, and I had a really good JV baseball season my my first year in college, and then. I, w- I was blessed to ask by coach Jim Miller to uh, move up and be with the, the kind of the varsity uh, team, you know, for, for the postseason. And I had no idea. I knew they were very good, but you know, all of a sudden here we are, they ended up making it to the college world series. And that was a once in a lifetime experience because uh, you know, how many people get that opportunity and um, you know our one of our main players on the team was uh, Wisconsin native Bob Wickman Um, and Bob played um, with the Yankees White Sox and spent some time with the Brewers so he was like one of our starting pitchers and uh, that was a pretty cool experience and uh, John Vodenlich the head head coach at Whitewater currently was actually on that team and we were actually roommates for, for the World Series as far as hotel and, and, and that whole postseason run. So it was pretty cool. And then I got into coaching. I actually started coaching baseball before um, I started teaching. Um, so I, my first job, um, I got offered a position by Bob Hall, who um, is a Waukesha guy, was a North graduate, but he took actually the South job. Um, in the summer, it would have been the summer of 94, and then he was there for only one year, and then wa- the Waukesha North position opened up, and he, he returned to North, his alma mater, to coach. Um, so I got to coach um, as a head freshman coach my first year in 94, and then two years as Bob's varsity assistant, one of his assistants um, at Waukesha North. Um, in 96, 97, um, and then I interviewed for uh, the West job um, in the in the fall um, of 97, and then got I got the position um, for the 98 season. Um, one little twist on that that most people don't know, kind of a fun fact, I guess you could say, is um, I actually had interviewed twice for the West position, so I actually had interviewed um, after it would have been the 95 um, season, um, I, I interviewed and I did not get the position. It might have been 96 now that I think of it, because Todd Froworth got the position for one season, um, and then Todd, who um, we later had become friends after that, um, resigned after one year, um, and then I, I, I re-interviewed and got it a second time. So. Um, kind of a, a, a fun little little story, but uh, yeah, that's how I got my my career started at West, and uh, this next year, twenty twenty one, will be my twenty fourth year as
0: the head coach at at West. Wow! Now, before we get in your coaching career, I want to know what type of player you were. Give me the scouting report, uh-huh. Warhawk. I feel like all I got is Warhawks on this show, anyways. So I got, <laughs> I got to hear more about your playing career. Yeah, So
1: I guess you know, in high school, kind of my nature, and this kind of gets into my family a little bit. So my grandfather, um, who's been deceased, he died in 2003. But he was like the first Montez baseball coach. And he, uh, he is a pretty fascinating story. So he, he was born in Italy, Texas, and my grandfather never went to school a day in his life. Um, He was a migrant worker that his family, they just started working in the fields, which seems pretty crazy, you know, in this time, you know, like, uh, I feel blessed to, you know, have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree, but like two generations ago, my grandfather never went to school a day in his life. Um, my grandmother was born in Mexico city and, uh, they moved here during the depression from, um, Texas to green Bay for work. Um, and they lived, um, you know, in a, in a, a household of family with cousins and aunts and uncles in Green Bay and worked and then eventually moved to Waukesha where, where my dad was born. Um, so they did that all in the, the depression. So my grandfather, um, is, it was like the first baseball coach. I have, you know, pictures of him, uh, coaching at Frame Park and, you know, I, I don't know a ton of details about it. Um, because my dad wasn't sure on a ton of details, but he did coach, um, and spent a lot of time with baseball. And then my dad did coached in youth. Um, and then, you know, it, it, it came to me. So me as a player, um, is, is pretty similar, not too far away from me as a coach. Um, I I was just kind of, you know, to use, you know, terminology that we use today, but back then, you know, I, I just would outwork people. Um, you know, I wasn't a, a big person, you know, and um, you know, in high school, I think I graduated my senior year in high school. I had five, you know, seven or five eight, and I was like hundred and forty pounds, ringing wet. So um, I was definitely not a f- physical specimen by any means, but um, I was really, really strong. I worked really, really hard in the weight room, and you know, I was just a kind of that grinder. I could, I when I tell my players today that like I used to hit off a, a batting tee in the backyard for like hours, they would say like, no, you, you, you didn't, you didn't do that. Cause you, you just put the ball on the tee and you just hit and you hit. And it wasn't like, you know, now we might have to have 10 different drills to keep the attention spans focused in, but I just, I just hit, hit, hit. Um, and I just grew up playing wiffle ball or strikeout, just all those throwback games that you did as a kid, because I was telling my players that, you know, if we stayed in the house, mom was going to give us chores to do. You're going to do work or you found a way to like, all right, I'm going to do as few chores as I can possibly (laughs) do and, and, and get outside, um, and play and, and, and just to play outside, like literally play outside, um, you know, from nine in the morning and, uh, maybe you came home for lunch some days, maybe you didn't, but then, um you, you did come home from supper when the, the the front porch light was on you that was your signal to come home but then you tried to get back out in the evening and play kick the can or something else and you know those those things i i mean i just grew up playing all the time and um i just just would outwork people because i felt like you know i can't control my god-given ability um i can't control, um, you know, my size, um, but I can't control how I work. And, you know, that's just what I did. And I don't think I was that, you know, I didn't think it through that much as a a kid or as a player. I just, this is what I had to do. And I just did it. And I knew if I wanted to play college baseball, which was a goal of mine, um, you know, as a middle schooler, high schooler, I just, I just had to work. And, you know, the other thing I spent a ton of time doing is just throwing the ball up against the garage and just, you'd play your own games in your head Um, because there weren't a ton of kids in my neighborhood that were my age. So I just, just threw the ball up against the garage and simulated games. And uh, you know, that made me a really, really good all around player, just fielding ground balls without even really think of like, I didn't feel like I was working. I was just playing. And um, so that's kind of how I grew up. So that, that would be me as a player. I just worked as hard as I could and you know, played to the highest level I could, which I was fortunate enough to play at Whitewater and Whitewater at that time was very good, but it wasn't what it is today. Like today, you know, I always say like, if I graduated now with the same talent and the same everything that I graduated high school with in 88, could I play at Whitewater today? And I don't know if I could, I mean, the talent has gotten so good that it's like, I don't know. (laughs) It's just one of those things. like, um, you'd like to think, "Ah, I, I think I could, but in reality, if you if you look at it objectively, I don't know, that they're
0: pretty talented now. what's well, amazing hearing you tell that story, like it's like the all American dream, right? Grandfather comes here, migrant worker, move across the country to the depression, you know, a couple generations later, you know, kids are playing outside, kick the can, streetlights come on, I mean, master's degrees, bachelor's degrees, working in education. Like that's a that's a really powerful story. Thanks for sharing that. Um, You're welcome. Now, looking into your coaching career, and you talked about as a player and as an early coach, like, who would you put on, like, your top coaching influences, right? it's the old sports talk radio question, your Mount Rushmore of guys. And I want to highlight a, a few people, but also what did you learn from those coaches?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I would put it more in groups instead of individual people. So I guess, the, you know, the first group would be my grandfather and dad, and they just didn't put into me, like, the the fun of the game. Like, they, they inspired me to – it, it, it is a game, like have fun and, and you can be passionate about it and you can be serious about it. But at the end of it, 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 it is a game, you know? Um, so I would say my, my, my grandfather and dad, so they're Thomas Montez senior and Thomas Montez junior. Um, so that would be one group. And then my high school football coach and high school baseball coach, I guess I would put as like my second group, um, coach Jeff Tricky, which, is a legendary, you know, Hall of Fame football coach. And everyone has heard of like the Tricky, um, you know, football quarterback camps. Um, and Coach Tricky was awesome. I was not um, a spectacular football player by any means. I I was really fast and really quick and I was strong for my body type, you know, but I was a receiver. Um, to be honest, I didn't like to get hit. So <laughs> I would try to like, I would try to run as fast and quick as I could and uh, you know, you know if i could get out of bounds i was getting out of bounds i was not putting my uh my shoulder down or head down to to gain those extra few yards but coach tricky was um like like the coach you wanted to be and even though i knew i wasn't going to be necessarily a football coach um i knew that i could i could even then i like cuz i knew i wanted to coach baseball then it was weird you know my my path to coach, i knew at a young age and i don't know why i know this I mean, it was just god's God's blessing is just I knew that I wanted to play baseball at the highest level I could play and then and then coach. And so I even knew in high school I was I was taking lessons from Coach Tricky, you know, how he just ran a team, how he practiced, because I knew I would I would use that someday. And then my high school baseball coach, Fritz Richter, um, I mean, he was old school, um, tough as they could come, like, you know, like there was no messing around. Um, and that kind of gave me the the discipline. So those high school coaches really set the foundation of of who I was as a coach. Um, and then my college coach, Jim Miller, the thing that he taught me is that that players are people, you know, because sometimes as coaches, and I, I probably made this mistake as a young coach, is is you tend to, um, you know, it's about scheme, It's about, this drill, it's about how can I get better? And th- those are all good things. But, you know, Coach Miller, his saying would be, you know, it's not always about the X's and O's, it's about the Jimmy's and Joe's. And, uh, you know, he taught me that it's that it's not just, it's not just winning, and it's not just this drill or that drill, um, or how I can do this better. It's that, that they are people. And, um, you know, that's kind of a, a life, a
0: life skill as well. Oh, yeah. Coach Miller, he's been, you know, mentioned in here a few times and, you know, like, it's like the, the, the tree, the tree of his, of his leadership has really extended across the state. And, you know, you've been a head coach for 20 some years now. Okay, so you've built, you've built so much of your own legacy, whether you want to admit it or not, right? Hall of Fame, all the titles, conference championships, obviously, tremendous influence on baseball in the City of Waukesha which I grew up in, you know, you talk about the Blazers and the Firebirds. And, you know, it, it's just funny, it brings me back to those days. But like, bring us into um, just into West baseball, I know you spend so much time and have spent so much time cultivating an environment that you're proud of. And you, it's a 12 it's month a year job for you. So give us like the 30,000 foot view of West baseball. Yeah, great question. And I guess, um,
1: you know, if I, I, I take back to to when I, I first got the job. So, you know, as I said earlier, <clears throat> my first round of interviews, I didn't get the position. Um, and then, you know, a year later, I was blessed to then, then get the position. So I, when I went in there at that time, West high school um, had like zero success in baseball. And I, and I was a young coach, you know, I got hired. I was, about 27 years old. And, um, you, you, you had that mentality, like, I, you know, I want to prove myself. Like I want to prove that they made the right decision because, you know, and I can see this now, maybe at the time I didn't like, all right, I didn't get the job the first time, um, which I was kind of heartbroken and I was kind of upset and like, uh, what did I do wrong? So then when you do get the position, you're like, okay, now I gotta, now I gotta show them like, I gotta show them like they made the right choice. And so you, 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 as a young coach, you're trying to do everything well. And, and I think that's okay. Um, I mean, that's a good, a good goal to have, but, um, you slowly learn like that you can't do everything. You can't coach pitchers, catchers, infielders, outfielders that you have to have a, a, a really quality staff and, um, you know, in high school baseball, um, you know, staffs, you know, you're not fortunate always to have someone there for 10, 15, 20 years, you might have someone there for two, three years, and then they become a head coach, or they have to do other things. So just trying to main, maintain that um, progress of always trying to, to improve. And, um, you know, West baseball, um, we were blessed. My first few years we, we struggled, but showed signs of improvement. Um, you know, I re- I remember the first year um, and I'm kind of a stats stats person, as you know, you know, I remember that first year we only had nine wins and you know, at that time as a young coach, you're thinking like nine wins, like, Oh, that's terrible. You know, but now when I look back, like you set some foundation stuff in place that first year that then helped with year two year three and so on because year two we had gone up to to 17 wins and then my third year we had the first winning record ever in in west history um so i thought okay things are going in the right direction and then year four we were below 500 again but we had a pretty young team a pretty like like oh these kids could have a promising future that were you know freshmen and sophomores and then year five all of a sudden things kind of clicked and that was like you know 2002 um and some names you'll recognize in there so that would have been like you know when Nick Wixer, Nick Rainwater, Greg Harder you know they were they were juniors that year and then we had like Adam Dominic, you know who would have been a, a sophomore that year and then we had some pretty good senior players as well um and all of a sudden things started to come together and we won our first conference championship and then You know, things got kind of on a roll, like for a 10 year period, we won seven conference championships and went to the state summer tournament eight times from 2002 to 2012. And you're like, wow, like, you know, this is awesome. Like, you know, we were never like cocky or arrogant about it. We were always like, all right, this, let's just keep maintaining this. And then after the 2012 season, you know, things just changed, you know, and um, we haven't won a conference championship or, um, been to the state tournament since. And it's like, you know, what did, what did you learn in, in that time? And um, you know, it comes down to, you know, you have to have a high level of, of players. Um, and, you know, you can't control that at the high school level. I mean, sometimes like for those 10 years, you thought, well, these kids graduated and these other kids came in and, you know, they're really, really talented, you know, cause we had so many great players over time. Like, you um, that it was just one after another and you know we were blessed and you know now i look back and like gosh that that was that was pretty cool and pretty amazing because sometimes you can only maintain that for two three four years and then you kind of hit a cycle where we're just not as good as far as like on paper conference or or state worthy um but i mean since 2012 we've we've probably worked as hard um and they're constantly improving i always feel you can learn Um, as, as a coach, I'm, I'm always trying to learn more stuff and I'm, I'm like a a veteran coach now, right? Like I'm the old coach. So it's like, um, I try not to fall in the trap of like, this is how I did things, um, you know, back when I got hired, you know, and there's some still staples of it, but, um, I'm always trying to improve and like, how can I do better? How can I improve as a, as a teacher coach and a leader? Um, but then also kind of remember what coach Miller said is that, you you gotta remember that they're, they're, they're kids, they're, you know, they're, they're people and, you know, they're 16, 17 and 18 years old. And we're putting a lot of, a lot of pressures and demands on them from all aspects of their life. Um, and to, and to get them to, to be better people, um, are kind of some of my more goals now. Cause if, if you look back when I started, I had probably, I just kind of, I kind of laugh at it. I mean, it's, like I had a rule like I had all like all these rules a list of rules and I you know I had like everything defined cuz that's that's what Ron Polk said to do you know he was the head coach at Mississippi State and I just kind of followed you know that tool and it was good cuz I mean it was effective at the time but now if you look at our rules I mean really our program model right now is it's it's about we not me um which if you really break down that statement there's a lot there um, it's about we, not me. And then we have two standards. You know, we don't, we don't have like a list of rules anymore. I mean, one is to give back to others selflessly in our actions and two, work every day to become the best teammate that I can be. So um, that's kind of how we're at, where we're at now. Um, but I guess that would be a little bit of um, the history of West baseball since, since I started back there.
0: I appreciate that. And again, I was, I was part of a lot of that on the player end and coaching end, especially a 10 year run. Um, but uh, you know, when we zoom in on, you know, we over me, you said, it means a lot of things. Break that down for us. How, what does that mean to you? Obviously that I know you hold it, close to your chest and it means a lot to you and it, cause you represent your program. What does that mean to you? Yeah.
1: Um, and I think players have evolved a lot. So I guess, what does it mean to our program? You know, when I first got to West, the type of player we had, whether they were talented or, or not, like w- w- taking skill out of it, um, they were the k- type of, of kids that like, you just told them like, do this, and they did it, you know, it's just like, do this and do this, and we're working towards this result. And now I think kids need to, you know, know more of the why and um, I think that's good. I mean, they're they're questioning. They want to know why does this make me better. So it's about we, not me. Um, as a society, whether we like it or not, um, and I'm one of those people like control what we can, not what we can't. Right. So um, society is what it is, and it, it's a very you know we're it's a very selfish society. You know we're, we're concerned about our own kids a lot of times. So when you break down, it's about we and not me. It's kind of getting at that like I'm going to put. My performance, like, yes, I want to perform well going to the field today, but if I end up 0 for 4 and we win, that's that's about the we part and not me. And, and that's really hard for kids. I'd say probably in the last, I would say, Tim, probably in the last five to six years somewhere in there, because... You know, as good as things that club and travel ball give us from a competition point standpoint, and what I can be seen as a player, and I can promote my my skills to to a lot of college people in a big settings. You know, we always joke in our program, and like this would never happen, but like we always say, you know, if you went four for four and you hit like four home runs and lost, or you went zero for four and struck out four times looking. Um, but one, which one would you rather have? And, you know, everyone knows what the correct answer is. Like, well, you know, it should be about the team winning, but that's really a challenge for, for youth kids, um, middle school kids, high school kids now, because in showcases, everything is a, is a time. Everything is a benchmark. And if I want to play at the next level, sometimes the perception is that, I need to meet all those benchmarks and we kind of get lost about that as and we get focused on ourselves. Like what did I do? So that's where we try to dig a little deeper with players. And for me, it's like, it's second nature. It's like, I don't have to think about it because this is how I kind of grew up. However now um, you know, it, it's much different because things are so much focused. You know, everyone has a, a Twitter account and Instagram and within seconds you can, shoot out a highlight reel of your whole high school baseball, football, basketball season. So um, it's a balancing act because all those things have a place and a purpose, but it's just kind of getting kids to like push that all the way. And like at the end of the day, at the end of of the season, when it's game time, it's just going to be about us. We, the team, the group of coaches that year and the group of players and if we can, can give back to others, like give to your teammates and work every day to become the best teammate, um, at the end of it, if we can do those things now as a coach, I feel like we did what we were supposed to do. And if we got beat, we got beat. If the other team was better, if we made some mistakes, then we can learn from that from the physical side. But it really comes down to at the end, you know, like
0: how are we for each other? Thanks for breaking that down. Now within West baseball as well, like give us some of that secret sauce, give us some of the things that maybe makes your program unique over others. And maybe that means others don't do it at all or something you guys do really well.
1: Yeah. Um, I guess the one thing I'd like to, to feel like that we, we do as well or as well as anyone um, is, is how we practice, um, you know, the, like the physical side. Cause I feel like, I'm very detailed, um, you know, I, I post the practice plan for the, the players, um, which can have pros and cons to it because they, they sometimes, um, I, I feel like you have to kind of watch that a little bit because sometimes if you post it all the time, Then they're just looking at like the end result and not concentrating on the moment at the present. So you got to be careful of that a little bit, but a very detailed practice is like not a lot of wasted reps. Like I don't like guys standing around, you know, so if we're working on base running instead of one person running the bases, can we have like four or five lines of base running or, you know, T work or bunting work or whatever the skill is. Let's try to get as multiple reps as possible. And obviously you need to have the coaches to do that. But if you're doing outfield drills, instead of like, you know, you're doing one specific drill, whatever it is, can you break that down and now have two, two of those groups going so you just can maximize reps. So just utilizing practice time. Um, and also, uh, like really working hard, like trying not to take reps off. Um, you know, getting back to when I was a kid, I could hit off the tee for a long time, trying to get that message across to players, like, come on, we got to work through these things. Like, if you need a break, we need water, but we, we got we to keep rapping and we got to get, get our work in. Um, and then the other part, I guess, like your secret sauce question. Um, I was blessed or fortunate enough early on in my career, like in the uh, probably late nineties, early two thousands to start kind of getting into the mental side of the game. Um, And I actually got to hear some pretty good mental guys over the years speak like um, Brian Kane, you had mentioned, I actually got to hear him speak um, in Heartland, Wisconsin. Um, At that time there was a next level in Wisconsin uh, based there before they moved to Waukesha. Um, And he spoke there before he was like as big as he is now. Um, and then guys like Steve Springer, um, you know, Ken Revisa, um, who's probably like the godfather in the mental side of the game. So, um, just performance coaches, the mental side, like developing routines. Um, um, and we, we do spend time, um, at practices, uh, working on the mental side because, um, I believe, um, in all of us, um, and I even do this as, as, as a 51 year old, is we have, you know, the voice of confidence in our head and the voice of doubt. Um, and whether we're doing something like a sport or activity ourselves, or we're about to give a speech, or I just taught a lesson, we have either the voice of confidence or the voice of doubt. And sometimes one voice is louder than the others, and we all have it. And trying to talk to players about that, that you have to have positive self-talk to yourself. Like I am a good hitter. Um, I'm going to hit the ball hard. Um, does that always mean a hundred percent of the time I'm going to do that? No, of course not. But just getting kids to have that positive self-talk and I try to get them now to take it a step further and, and translate that to their life. Like, because I tell them like, there'll be times throughout the day that I have to tell myself like, you know, um, this is the right thing to do. I am a good leader. I can I can do this because we all have that doubt that or lack of confidence in our head from time to time. So that whole mental side, I guess that's the part of the game that um, I think if there was like a secret sauce, it's not a secret sauce because so many people do it now. But I think when we started it, um, I feel like we were one of the first to kind of explore it a little bit more. And sometimes kids don't, completely get it at 16 17 years old um some get it more than others but whatever you can adapt for each individual i think is important and um getting them to to use the mental side of the game to benefit them not only in baseball but in life
0: why do you say that because you know obviously I've gotten, over the years i've gotten to know some of your former players and gotten to you gotten to know you well and i remember playing at your place i don't know 10 12 years ago and seeing little green light stickers on bats. And, you know, like, as I like get a bat off the on deck circle, I'm like, what is is that? You know? And I remember thinking throughout the game, like you guys were into, you know, green lights, red lights, yellow lights years before it was, it was trendy, you know? And I think something with the mental game too, that it's easy to say, yeah, we're going to do this. It's, it's easy to say, yeah, it's important to us. The game is X percent mental, but to systematically put it in your program is is something is right. Some people think, well, it takes time away from infill drills takes time away from bunting drills. You know, is this really worth the investment? So I'm really glad you went into that. The other thing I wanted to touch on is your practice planning. So how do you, like, what's a skeleton practice plan look like? Do you, do you do it throughout the day? You know, do you guys work as a coaching staff through um, a common document? Like how do you guys practice? plan? Yeah, good question. So
1: um... I, as, a, as kind of the head coach, um, like for like day one of practice. So after tryouts are done, we've made it through trials. we, we have our team now. Um, you know, what do we want to focus on? And if we have the luxury of this, because now I've coached in the summer season as well as the spring, um, you know, the start of everything has to be with pitching and catching because I feel like um, the person you put out on the mound or the person you put behind the plate are involved in every single play and their ability to throw consistent strikes um, is really going to dictate how the game goes. Um, And I don't care if the kid throws 70 miles an hour or 85 miles an hour, but if we can consistently throw strikes and force the team to put the ball in play, typically good things are going to, going to happen for you. So um, everything starts with pitching catching. So we try to have that as, a component of every practice. Um, Is it a hundred percent of the time? No, but pitching and catching in every practice. So those must be there. Um, And then if you take it back a step from that, if if it's truly about pitching and catching, you could just say throwing and catching. I mean, throwing and catching is such a simple skill. Um, Like when you watch it happen and it's good catch and good throwing, Um, but it's not, not easy to do. So, Making like just throwing and catching such a vital part of it. Like, instead of saying, I tell youth coaches this all the time, like, don't be setting up the field or don't be uh, figuring out what you're going to do for practice or after the game or the starting lineup for tomorrow while kids are throwing down the line. Like, you need to be actively down there and whatever your throwing progression is. I mean, the progressions we've had at West have evolved over time. Um, and you know, now we just try to keep it as athletic and loose and simple as possible. Um, and, but just playing good sound baseball catch, because if you can play catch, um, that's going to translate to the game. And I have to be down there and I have to be passionate and I have to be on them. I have to give them positive feedback, but I also have to give them like, Hey, that that's, that's sloppier. That's lazy. Um, simple like if the ball gets passed if you and I are playing catch him and the ball gets past me like I I actively are yelling that kid's name like Tim run 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 back um instead of like because a kid is going to naturally they're just going to walk after to kind of loaf after it a little bit because it's just human nature um so if, if as soon as the ball gets by a kid I'll I'll actively say their name so they know I'm talking to them and I encourage our other coaches to do the same, like. know run 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 back to like to get back to because that's what you would do in a game and we have to to practice that so just things like that so throwing catching pitching catching and then you're going to do offense or defense and whatever you do just trying to maximize repetitions but i think you know that that's a key part um and something i didn't do as a young coach that is now in, in our practice plans um more kind of at the front of it um, is base running. Cause you know, as a younger coach, you would probably do base running at the end. Um, and after hearing enough college guys, professional guys speak, you know, base running is so important. Get that extra 90 feet that we put base running when we're doing offense. Um, and even some on defense days, like right after we throw catch and do pitching catching stuff, like that's the next item because getting that extra 90 feet um moving up into scoring position or scoring from third to home on a pass ball, um, I feel are are really crucial. And I probably didn't spend enough time on that as, as a young coach. So I guess that kind of gives you a a general skeleton of our, our typical practice plan. Um, But it, it really comes back to whatever you're doing, do with quality and do with investment and take an active role as the coach doing it because we can get pulled in so many directions during a practice that when we're there, let's, let's practice with the kids and be actively engaged with them.
0: I appreciate that. I think that's one thing coaches always want to know is, you know, how guys run their practice and right. It's, and it's always a lot of variables, right? Are you inside? Are you outside? Do you have a turf field? How much time do you have? I mean, there's, you know, we have all these variables to consider and then we can make our our practice plan. You mentioned a few times that you've You've changed what you've done over the years. If it's your throwing progression or how you teach a certain skill, like what is something you've done a 180 on? Um, is there something on the baseball skill wise you've done a 180 on?
1: Um, it might not be a specific skill. It might be more of a of a philosophy. So, kind of getting back to the to my younger self, it's like we tend to, as a young coach, we overcoach everything. Like. Um, we coach the athlete out of the the player a little bit sometimes, and not that we were trying to do that intentionally. Like I'm a bad person trying to coach and do this. Um, but there's so much that like, it's like, sometimes you don't know what you don't know when you're first starting off and and you feel like you got to control every aspect of it. And like, you're making sure everyone does this, this, and this. And I think there's some value to that to some degree, but letting the kid be an athlete um letting them figure things out their body a lot of times will naturally figure it out if we just allow them to do that so I, I try now more not to overcoach. i mean if you if you were with me with throwing progression in 1998 and then now fast forward to this season 2021 there's going to be some similar things like hey he was doing that in 1998 he still does that a little bit here but now Getting them to be more relaxed, more athletic, um, letting them figure things out and understanding that every person's body, you know, I don't have to throw the ball right at the 12 o'clock release. Maybe I'm at one, two or three, depending on the athlete or depending on the throw in the game. Um, So maybe not being as maybe cookie cutter robotic as maybe I was early on and now just allowing some freedoms. Um, and maybe that's kind of the circle of life a little bit too. Cause if you looked at the rules I used to have mm-hmm. to what I have now, um, maybe that's just me as growing, but I think, I feel like so much, we, we, we coach the athlete out of the kid a little bit sometimes. Cause oops, your foot wasn't right at that perfect angle or your hand wasn't perfectly over your glove doing an infield drill. So just allowing them to be more relaxed and free, um, and loose because if they get stiff they get slow Um, if they're overthinking they get slow so just trying to kind of make it as simple as we possibly can but there's still some key elements along the way that that we want to kind of make sure we check the box on
0: well with that transition was there a moment that stands out to you like a linchpin moment that you said yeah, we got to reconsider how we do things. Was there a speaker you heard? Was there an interaction you had with another coach or a player? Or is that something just organically over time that you've changed? Um, I think it's a little of both. But like in the last few years, um,
1: I kind of laugh at myself now a little bit. Like I never thought I'd be as actively involved on Twitter. Like I don't, I don't tweet a lot. Um, I retweet a lot but I, I, I watch a lot of stuff and probably the two guys that I, I actively work with now the most are national infielding guys. Uh, one guy's name is Nate Trotsky. Um, he was born in, born in Iowa. Um, he's from California now. Um, and uh, you know, he, he works a lot of high level aerial code games. He works uh, professional baseball. He spends a ton of the time he's been going to the Dominican Republic, working with infielders for a long time. So Um, I use a lot of Nate stuff. And then Trent Mongero, who's a high school coach in Georgia. Um, So those two guys kind of are partnered together and they, they speak a lot, um, you know, in these kind of virtual zoom meetings and presentations. And they are always like tweeting things out, whether they're drills or, or just kind of messages. So the two of them, I've, I've, I basically would follow them on Twitter. And then one day I just said, Hey, why don't I just reach out to these people on Twitter, right? Like I can, I can talk to them. I can send them a direct message. So I, I, I reached out to Nate um, and then he messaged me back and I'm thinking, well, that's kind of cool. Like, you know, I, and then we developed kind of some dialogue and we've had some phone conversations now. So um, that's probably been the last few years. And, and one of the things they, they say, cause these guys work with, you know, Tons of athletes, especially Nate, like he works with people all over the world, you know, on infield play. And that's the one thing he said. And he said he is guilty of it as well Is just sometimes we coach the athlete out of the kid. Like we're trying to like control every part of the swing or every part of the throw or every part of the pitch um, instead of let the body figure it out. Because the body will do what it, it should naturally do a lot of times if we allow it. And then just maybe being there to kind of guide and to kind of um, like say, Hey, did you ever think about this? Um, and not saying like, do this. Like, do you ever think about this? Or, Hey, can I, can I offer you a suggestion? You know, like here's one thing I would suggest. And so that's like, no, well, you must do it this way kind of thing. So I guess I've changed my way I, I, I teach and evolve and not that I, I've become like this soft person or whatever, but I just, I look at things differently now and try to meet the kid where he's at, where when I started off, I was probably trying to get them to, to meet me where I'm at, um, which I think was okay at that time because it was, it was a little bit different time. Like kids were more of like, Hey, tell me what to do and I'll do it um, where it's not like that as much. So now I guess I've evolved to that a little bit more where I just a little more relaxed. I'm not, I'm, I'm still intense. I still, I still yell. I'm still very passionate at practicing and in games, but it's how I approach the athlete, like to make them a better baseball player. I guess I give them a little bit more choice, a little more wiggle room within the foundation of whatever concepts that we're trying to teach. I'm
0: glad you went there. Cause I, I you know, like tw- baseball Twitter can be, could be beautiful and it could be ugly. Right. And I think if you use it for the right reasons, like you mentioned before, Following those two guys, like they've built this brand where, I mean, if you talk to any baseball coach, who's probably into, high, into self-improvement into improving their infield play, especially they've come across those guys and you can't not watch. Right? So like, that's a good segue. Like what else, how else do you learn? Like what else are you into recently? Uh, maybe that you, you know, that that's helped you improve that you maybe push out to your coaches. Uh, is it podcasts? Is it books? Is there something on Twitter? Is there other accounts that you enjoy and get a lot of development from.
1: Yeah, so actually, another a new thing that we're going to be implementing—it'll be the first time ever in um, 2021. Here, um, I actually learned from another coach. We, but another coach from a different sport and, um, you know, completely different type of athlete in some cases. Um, so our head girls basketball coach at West, his name is Mark Bussolacci, and. Um, Mark has been there. I don't know how long he's been at West, but it, it's been, it's gotta be close to, I would say eight to 10 years now. And, um, I have three daughters and my three daughters play volleyball. And, uh, as a coach, I guess my head's always on coaching, right? Like when I go watch my kids play, yes, I want to see them play well, but I'm watching how, how are these volleyball coaches coaching athletes and stuff. And something came up, um, basically about a year ago um i I was at a volleyball match for one of my kids and um parents were kind of raving about like you know the culture of the girls basketball program and to some people they might just kind of like oh it goes in one ear one out there like but i started hearing like west parents of our girls basketball program talking about the culture, like how great it was and how positive and like my radar went up and I was like, okay, well, that's really good. So that, you know, sometimes you don't hear about that from a parent group, like sometimes parent groups, you might just hear about like, my kid's not playing this or that about the coach. But like when I heard like, the culture is really good there. And I heard it from more than one parent. I was like, okay, well, well, what's going on? You know, so um, during the pandemic, um, and from March to like May, um, I had reached out to to Mark, um, the girls' coach, and we did a Zoom meeting. And um, I said, "Okay, what do you do?" And um, basically, it, it's a book I'm 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 reading over break right now. It's called Tribal Leadership, um, and it talks about um, the base, One of the basic concepts are is there's different levels of groupings or or tribal leaders at each group, uh, like stage one stage two stage three stage four and stage five um and it kind of ties into things we're already doing like it's about we not me um it, it ties right into that and it's about taking whatever stage each person's at getting them to the next stage up um, and sometimes we as adults and as, as, as kids, we get to one stage and that's, that's where we stay and we, we never get to that next stage. And, um, so I'm, I'm just in the midst of reading that right now. Um, Mark was gracious enough to share all of his stuff with me. Um, like his PowerPoints that he uses for the girls program and we're going to use that. I'm, I'm tweaking it obviously to make it baseball and make it our own, but with the same concepts of tribal leadership now, um, and, and it, it's really good. I'm just getting into the book now, um, but we're gonna implement it for for this year. Um, so that's that's one way that I'm, I'm I'm always like trying to grow and get better. but um, what I do know is like now reading the book it sometimes you're like, duh like why didn't like why didn't I do this before? like this is this is really good, but maybe I didn't have the lens for it you know ten years ago um, and now like I, I look at it differently and think like this could be really good for our kids, not only baseball wise but for for life because in, in the book they talk about like stage 5 most people don't get to 5 that would be like google you know those high level companies that might get to that point but um most most high school athletes and most adults are at 3 where it's like I'm better than you that's kind of the stage I'm better than you um I'm going to show you I'm better than you because I can do x y and z where we want to get to that stage 4 where um it's about we and it's about us and it's about doing things collectively better as a group instead of where we all get stuck in stage three i'm better than you and i'm going to show you why i'm better than you and here's what i've done that's better than you um so that's kind of the part of the book i'm at right now but um that's that's one way where i'm i'm evolving and um our program's evolving and i think it's going to be really good for our kids
0: Great. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear about that as well. I'm sure I'll reach out to you privately, um, you know, after you finish, but a couple more questions for you. Um, like, I guess it's the O'Brien Kane question. It's the million dollar question he asked on his podcast. You know, what do you know now that you wish you knew back in, you know, the mid mid to late nineties when you were getting started?
1: Yeah. Um, I guess what I would wish I would know is, you know, you, you don't have to prove yourself in one game, one season, you know, back then it was just like, do you like, I even like, do you even have to prove yourself? Like, I, I guess that's kind of human nature. Cause back then it was just like, I want, I want them to make sure like they made the right decision in hiring me. And, you know, like now I look back and like, you know, whatever you do, whether you're there for five years, 10 years, or I'm blessed to be there now 24 seasons control what you can and and, and make a positive difference. So I guess how I would look back is I I would be, I would tell myself to be more relaxed. You know, I don't know if that was possible then, Um, you know, not trying to to control every possible thing, like allowing things to just kind of naturally happen a little bit sometimes. Um, And I'm not saying be laid back or lazy or undisciplined, none of that. It's just, just being more, um forgiving of yourself more understanding that hey you know whatever whatever you're doing whatever your philosophy is give it time to grow give it give it a chance it's it's not going to happen instantly so i guess i would if i look back i would just say be more relaxed no matter how long you're there you're there for the right reasons. You love the game. You love teaching kids. So whether you're there five years, 10 years or whatever, you're going to make a positive difference. Maybe that doesn't show up in wins and losses, but at the end of it, does, does that really matter? Like if I don't win a state championship, yes, I want to win a state championship badly. I want our kids, I want our program to win a state championship. But if we don't have like, have we failed? Um, And the answer of course is no. I mean, there's so many great coaches that, never reached that pinnacle um, and then there's some that have won multiple so it's like get as far as you can get and 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 do the best you can and at the end of it if you had great intentions which we all do then whatever happens happens
0: I'm glad you said that I mean I know a lot of coaches and I, and I don't want to speak for you here but I think we try to validate ourselves with wins right? looking for external validation at times. And maybe not right now at this point in your career but at some point I mean, and maybe I'm overstepping here, but maybe if you left Stevens point or left Capco, you know, after another state tournament appearance and you thought we failed, we got here again and didn't, you know, win the final game. How do you, how did you deal with that?
1: Yeah. um, Good question. I mean, at the time, you know, it's like when you're there and in the moment um, you're thinking like, Oh, what could I have done differently as a coach? Um, And could, could, you know, if we did 10 more infield reps, would that have made the difference? And I've come to learn that um, so much has to go right to even get to the state tournament, let alone to win a state championship, that it's not like if I would have done 10 more reps, or if I would have lost one more hour of sleep diagramming a new infield drill or outfield drill, that, that would have been the secret ingredient. I mean, there has to be some good, blessings go your way you know some people would say good luck Um, I usually count them as blessings that that have to go your way to to win um, you know just any game sometimes uh, let alone a a sectional game to get to the state tournament or at the state tournament to win a state championship so I've just I guess I've come to realize that you're right um, do we want to win yes we do Um, do we want to win as much as possible of course we do work overall competitors but at the end of it um it's not going to be about the number of wins i had it's going to be it's going to come back to the the kids i've the lives i've touched um you know and it's you know you, you hope by the end of it that you've made such a positive influence on so many lives that that's that that's, that's the biggest win um and you know that's that's kind of my mentality now yes i still want to do all those things and i'd like to you know I want to coach as long as I can. Like I'm 51. And like, I like people say, well, when do you think it's, it's going to be enough? And I, I feel like to me, it's like to, coaching baseball is like fishing or like hunting, you know, like, so, like like if you fish and hunt, you say, well, when I'm 60, I'm done fishing, you know, like, well, I coach baseball. This is what I do is, so this is kind of my fishing or my hunting. And um, I plan on coaching as long as, as I can, and I have the health to do so. So, um, I, I don't have a timeline, um, you know, to
0: end it. Oh, that's, that's powerful stuff. Okay. You've given us so much, like leave us with some, some advice, you know, veteran coaches, young coaches, anyone who's listening, you know, what advice would you pass on? Yeah. For
1: young coaches, um, I would say, you know, <clears throat> um, embrace the hard work, you know, um, you know, I feel like when I was a younger coach, they were like, um, and even you with Tim, our age differences a little bit it's just that um, people were passionate about coaching. Um, young coaches I feel like sometimes give up on it too early like not that they don't always have the drive but they might have a bad experience or some challenging parents or challenging whatever the the variable is and, and then they just stop and get out of coaching so I guess to young coaches, embrace, embrace those challenges, embrace the hard, the hard work. Um, You know, the coaches that are maybe in that middle part of their career, you know, they they 10, 15 years in, um, I would say to them, you know, um, keep pushing yourself um, to grow, like, you can always learn more, you know, like, i never thought i'd be on twitter but like now i am you know it's just like things like that just simple things it doesn't have to be like a a huge thing and then for for veteran coaches like enjoy the ride a little bit too because you know we have put in our time we've done this stuff but enjoy the ride a little bit like sometimes we, we we get stuck in things like oh Like I said, we haven't won a state championship, so I must be terrible, right? You're not terrible. You just, you know, it just hasn't gone that way yet. But just, like, enjoy what you've done. Like, see, see kind of the fruits of your labor, so to speak. Like, you've impacted a lot of people, and, you know, most of those people you've impacted in a positive way. Um, hopefully all of them but not everyone always agrees with us right so um, I, I like to say like we've impacted a lot of people like be proud of that and, and that that's
0: that that's that can be your state championship a lot of times. Holy cow now did you hear that? I really perked my ears up as I think about how many of us coaches myself included that have yet to win a state championship and you know, I know we hope that we do one day and we're always pushing the needle and pushing our players and pushing ourselves and I mean when you think about it what what it really means you're starting to hear why coach Montez is who he is and the way guys talk about him as a leader as a man as a coach as a leader of baseball across our state Uh, now on a personal note I was 24 years old I got the head baseball coaching job at Catholic Memorial High School in Waukesha one of the first guys I reached out to was Coach Coach Montez, and you know I was young, arrogant, thought I knew everything, I thought me just showing up would, you know, change the program, and and I quickly realized I didn't know very much, and you know even to this day, consider him a friend and a mentor, and um, I just really appreciate him, you know, taking time out of his day to jump on with us today. Just one more reminder to subscribe and share, and, and pass this stuff along to other coaches. I mean just the content that these guys share. I mean, I take, you know, pages and pages of notes and just think about, well, you know, here's what West is doing and here's what Burlington's doing and all these other programs that we're we're diving into. So anyways, um, appreciate your time. Hope you tune in next week and have a good rest of your day.